0: Gassing Out Loud, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol Rovers reporter, Jack Vittles.
1: Yeah, welcome along to the latest podcast, Gassing Out Loud. Hello, it's Michelle Owen here. Uh, Jack's away this week, so John Evely has been covering the Rovers game. John joins me now. Hello, John. Hello. Uh, so we're going to get your sort of analysis on, on what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Um, I was at the, the Shrewsbury game where Rovers lost... 4-0, which was... Um, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about the, the game that you saw at the weekend, yeah. Dell Away. Uh, we'll talk about, a bit more about Daryl Clark. Is he the right man for the job? Because I've just seen a couple of things on social media, which does seem early days, in my opinion, but we'll talk about that. Uh, MK Dons on Saturday uh, are only just one place above Rovers in the table. And also, a bit later on, uh, Jack, before he went off on his holidays, he had a catch-up with Nick Tanner, who used to play for Bristol Rovers in the 80s and then uh, went to Liverpool. So, sort of, where to start, uh, John? Because I feel I feel like we've got a lot to cover here. So let's get straight stuck into the Shrewsbury game. Um, I was there, and I'm sure you've read and, and written a lot about it. Um, 4-0... It was a pretty emphatic scoreline for Shrewsbury Town, but they're doing very well.
0: Yeah, they are they're flying at the uh the top of the league. I think they're the only undefeated team in the uh, in the football league still. So, yep. um as a pretty formidable record yep. right there. Um I was covering it from the office. That's kind of how we do it at the post. We have a person at the ground, person at the office. Um I came back had a good chat with Jack and he said it's the worst performance he had seen mm. Rovers put in in his time covering the club. So, it was certainly a low point um which I need to turn round. Um going on at Rochdale I felt like there was a big reaction from the team Mm. Uh, they worked very hard defensively they were they were much better Um, you can't fault them for effort whatsoever they were running themselves into the ground I mean there was this brilliant moment where uh where Ellis Harrison was chasing for a ball, which was obviously a lost cause, soaking wet at Rochdale. Yeah. Um, Storm Bryan had hit, <laughs> yes. and it was truly... It, it was there in full force. Uh, and Harrison slides to try and keep this ball in, and he just goes miles off the pitch, oh. crashes into the uh, area, into the yeah. hoardings, just gets himself up and goes and chases again. I mean, their effort was was superb, but um, just didn't work out for them.
1: Well, I, as I said, I was at the Shrewsbury game, and... I had to interview Daryl Clark after, and it's never easy to interview a manager when they've been thrashed. (laughs) But saying that, you know, it's never easy for the manager to come out and speak to the media. And that's what I like about Daryl Clark. He's always honest. He took complete accountability for that result. And I have to agree with what Jack said, though. I know he's not here today, but it being the worst Bristol Rovers performance he's seen, and he's seen all the games this season uh, bar Saturday. And I've only seen Rovers a couple of times, but... On that performance, defensively, they were a shambles. And yes, Shrewsbury Town going forward were fluid, they were quick. The height, the tempo that Shrewsbury played with is frightening. And actually, Rovers did well to come come away with a nil in the second half. But from what you said, you know, Daryl Clark to me after the game, I was looking for, for Sky at the game, he said, you know, he had to see a reaction and get a reaction on the players. That's what he had on on Saturday. But is there a little bit of a concern that... You know, that 6-0 win against Northampton away, that was emphatic. But since then, something's not clicking.
0: Yeah, well, I think there's one big uh, omission since that uh, since that win at Northampton. And it, it's hard to to avoid. It's Billy Bowden. Mm. Billy Bowden got injured, mm-hmm. scoring the first goal in the 6-0 win at Northampton. Uh, pulled what appears to have been his hamstring. Um Darrell hasn't told us very much exactly about what the injury is. But it certainly seems to be the hamstring. Hasn't played since. Mm. They haven't won since. Um, we knew he was their best player. Uh, we knew in on form he's one of the best players in League One, goal scoring. Mm. Um, maybe only now we quite realise what an important cog he was for this team because without him, uh, they've suffered massively.
1: But on the same note, you cannot just rely on one player to be. I mean, yes, every every team has a talisman. You know, every team across the FL has a talisman. But you know, without Billy Bowden. What if he's not back now for another
0: month? Yeah, well, that's what they need to address and address quickly. Um, they've got plenty of attacking threats. I mean, I compare them to the Liverpool of the lower leagues because they create so many chances. Mm-hmm. It's chance after chance after chance. What they don't do is put enough away. Mm. So even without Bowdoin, the chances are still being created. Rochdale maybe was a bit of an exception to the rule there, although they. I, I think looking at the stats, Rochdale only created two chances on target. And they took one. Took one. Mm. Um, so you know, Rover certainly had the better of the stats in that sense. They are still creating chances. They just need to put some more away. And mm. I tell you what, they need a bit of luck. I mean, we've talked about Tom Nichols a lot. Yeah, he's um, just not,
1: he can't he just can't buy a goal at the moment,
0: can he? Unbelievable. His chance at Rochdale was you couldn't script it. I mean, the ball got fired in from across from, um, I think it was lead bitter. The goalkeeper drops it um, at Nichols's feet. Three, oh. three yards out, centre of the goal. How did he, he miss? He pokes at it, and it just catches the calf of a defender, oh. kind of rolls along the goal line and out for a corner. I mean, it it was harder not to go. He didn't do anything wrong, but that's just how his luck's going. Generally. And for
1: his confidence as well, all he needs is a goal. I've, I've read... Um, many books because I still play a little bit and I think um, I read something from Ian Wright that said when he couldn't score he used, used to stay on the training ground and just hit the ball into an empty net just to hear that sound of the ball hitting the back of the net I guess Tom Nichols has just got to go and do a bit of that and just hope he gets the rub of the green on Saturday
0: Yeah I mean he's playing well He, I mean he, he started on the bench um, up at Rochdale because the goals aren't going in mm-hmm. and you know I think people will be asking even more questions of Daryl if if he wasn't trying different things. Mm -hmm. Um, But he is playing well, and consistently he's one of the better performers. He just needs to get that goal.
1: But Daryl Clark is ultimately accountable for these results. But, you know, it's only a couple of bad results. And I'm on Twitter the other day, and I can see some Rovers fans saying, is Daryl Clark the right man for the job? Oh, come on.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I mean three games it's the first time they've lost three games in the league for more than two years so this is their worst spell in the league for a couple of years but i mean i'm not i'm not a fan of sacking managers i don't think it it works mm-hmm. i think you've got to give uh got to give a manager time uh, especially when they've spent a lot of money putting together a squad uh, a team in the manner that they want um, I think the bigger question is, what is a bad season for Rovers? Um,
1: well, he did say, didn't he, that he, he it was an article in the Post that I read, that he does not want to be your John Trollope and have just a mid-table finish, and that to be the standard in League One every every year. He does not want that. So are fans now becoming more demanding because of what he said?
0: I think that's true. I mean, he set out at the start of the season. I spoke to him very early doors, uh, ahead of Charlton, which was the first game of the season, which I was at as well. Um, and he, he said... We want to better everything we did last year. We want more points. We want um better goal difference. We want and we want to be higher up the table.
1: And if they're going to do that, then the expectation is the playoffs because that was on the cards until the penultimate game last season.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um but at the moment it's not looking like they've got the consistency to do yeah. it. Like I say, the Liverpool of the lower leagues can't defend <laughs> and that's going to hurt you because if you look at the results, 1-0 at Rochdale, you know, not bad, but one nil at home to Oxford as well. I mean, if, if you're getting clean sheets, you're picking up points. People aren't talking about three losses in a row. You're talking yeah. about you're talking about draws.
1: Um, it's marginal. I mean, those games are marginal. I think Shrewsbury Town. You almost just have to chalk off that because Bristol Rovers didn't seem to turn up on the night. Defensively, they were a shambles, and that is obviously something they need to work on. Uh, they're, not, they're not, but they're not shipping masses of goals in these other games. And MK Dons on Saturday, we were just looking at their previous results, and they played Oldham last weekend and. The, the score there was four all. Yeah. Now, Oldham are doing all right so far. Well, um, Oldham
0: are fairly low in the table. I'm not sure where they are exactly that. Actually,
1: let's just redo that bit. But, so I was just looking at Bradford City yes. for some reason. No, uh, let's yeah. just redo that bit. Oldham are... Well, they're all in a cluster on that list. Let's it again. Well, MK Dons on Saturday, uh, we've just been looking back at some of their results. They are one point above Rovers in the table. They're 15th, Rovers 16th. MK Dons played Oldham at the weekend, who are just below Rovers on goal difference. And they drew with them 4 all, which sounds like it was quite the game. So, what do we expect going into this game on Saturday?
0: Uh, Goals, uh, because... Rovers well, by the sound of it, uh, neither side can defend very well <laughs> and they can both create chances. So yeah. I think goals are uh, goals are definitely on the cards. Mm. Um the thing is, League One is a very funny league at the moment. I mean, it's like it every year, but everyone's just taking chunks out of everyone. Yeah. So no one's apart from maybe the couple of teams at the top, it's like. It's so the condensed, isn't it? Well
1: that's
0: exactly right. No no one's pulling away. No one is is kind of is really um certainly the top four, top six—they're not out of reach.
1: Well, yeah, because Bristol Rovers on eighteen, and Blackburn, Oxford United sixth and seventh, and they've got twenty-three points. And then you look down to the bottom four. So Bristol Rovers are only six points off Bury in twenty-first, but then they're only five points off the playoff places. Exactly. So it's it's crazy.
0: It doesn't take much, uh, but they certainly need to t- turn around this uh, this losing run just for, just to get the confidence mm. back. Um, in the players, in the fans um, not that I think that it's lost and again after the Rochdale game uh, Darryl very tellingly said the most important thing is that he's got to keep the players, the fans everyone believing that they're doing the right thing, that they're on the right course and basically not to lose faith just because a few a few results have gone against them and like we said they are marginal
1: Yeah I mean he he must be working on that all week you know with his staff to put right those defensive frailties and and just get the goals to come again. But to sort of wrap up that point as well that we were just referring to a couple of minutes ago about the fans saying, is Daryl Clark the right man for the job? John, in your opinion, is Daryl Clark the right man for the job? Could he potentially get Rovers to the playoffs this season?
0: I think the playoffs is going to be a stretch, I really do, but then it can change so quickly, as we've said. But I think it'd be crazy to look beyond Daryl Clark, certainly at this point in the season. Um, he you've got to give him time um, i mean what
1: would be the point i mean fans starting to question him now what's the point in even getting rid of a manager at the moment before january because you can't bring any more players in before the transfer window he had he's picked this squad this is the squad that he's put together I mean, it just, to me, it seems madness to even talk about his future. But having seen it on social media, I just felt like it's something we should address.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I mean, it doesn't look like a new manager is necessarily going to be given a huge transfer kitty yeah. either. So, you know, you, you've got, I think he's found some gems of players. And he's found them from interesting places. You know, there were a number of guys in this team that were playing non-league football. Tom, Tom from Tom from the Army, Burn, Joe Partington. Yeah. You know, there were these guys that not that long ago were, were playing considerably lower and yet they're in this side and okay as a unit they're not playing that well but individually they're not playing badly so you know give him time give this team time give him time to click a couple of results going your way and then a couple of results going your way in the table as well for the other teams um, and suddenly they're up amongst it again
1: yeah suddenly you jump up at the table so John just before I let you go and as you're sitting in for Jack on this podcast I just need to pull you up on a tweet that you tweeted uh, last Tuesday when Bristol Rovers lost 4-0 to Shrewsbury Town. Uh, tell those that aren't on Twitter what you said and the grief you got for it.
0: Yeah, I got a little bit of a schooling in social media from the, uh, from the Rovers fans. So just after the 4-0 uh, defeat at Shrewsbury, uh, I tweeted out kind of our match report uh, to, to the fans. And I said, don't worry, Rovers fans, it could be worse. You could be a Maribor fan. Of course, Maribor just lost 7-0 to Liverpool in the Champions League. Uh, my attempt at humour was wide of the mark, oh, I think. God. There was a fair bit of reaction, uh, <laughs> questioning questioning my motives. But actually, it does bring up a fairly uh, relevant point, which is maybe worth addressing. A number of fans suggested that at the post we're a bit anti-Rovers, and that um, really, yeah, they're, they're like, "Oh, you're, you're loving this, lo- this." Defeat. And it's
1: worth saying as well, by the way, I am completely like impartial to this because I don't work for the post. I'm freelance. I work for Sky Sports. I work for Premier League, and I cover Rovers and the City games as well. So, but you, you obviously work across both.
0: Exactly, and I, I was honestly, I was really shocked. I've heard people say it before, and I just couldn't believe people were saying that we're anti-Rovers. Um, in our opinion, we give both both clubs in the in the city. Yeah, city. Um, we give mm-hmm. we give them equal coverage um, and you know, there's certainly no preference in the newsroom at all. And, we, we,
1: and we, you have you have dedicated teams. Exactly. For both teams. Exactly. And it's a complete 50-50 split, hence why we have the two podcasts.
0: Yeah, and let's not kid ourselves, we want our clubs to do well. Absolutely. Every, everyone does. Everyone wants the clubs in this city to do well. Um, and yeah, so I was just really shocked and I wanted to kind of say, no, of course we don't have a preference. We just want... Our team's winning.
1: Yep. And maybe some people find that hard because, you know, diehard Rovers fans, Rovers through and through, how could you possibly want them both to do well? But it's a sort of, I guess, subjective and objective stance we have, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, as as professional journalists, we want to be reporting on clubs at the highest level possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, It would be great to see Rovers going up through the leagues and, you know, in a few years' time, with the right backing, with the right money, Right stadium. Right stadium with everything being in the Premier League. If you don't think that we'd be doing cartwheels if Rogers <laughs> got to the Premier League, you're absolutely kidding yourself. That's the dream of you know, as a fan and that's the dream as a journalist as well. You wanna be covering teams playing at the highest level possible. So we are thoroughly behind uh, Rovers doing well.
1: Well, thanks for clearing that up, John. So I'm sure no one now thinks that you have any bias whatsoever. And that is that is the truth as well. So Jack Vittles, Bristol Rovers reporter, is not here this week. But before he went off on his holidays, he caught up with Nick Tanner, who played 107 times for Rovers in the 1980s. Before a move to Anfield, he asked what it was like to make that move, more about his work with the Offside Trust and what his new book, From a Field to Anfield, is all about. It's one of them things
2: where you look at it and it's not about... Uh, oh, in this game I scored, and in the 28th minute somebody did this. Anybody can write f- a factual book. It's more of a life story book, and, and like I said, it's not just Bristol Rovers, it's not Liverpool. It, it's grassroots football all the way up through. And um, we could have called it from Afield to Anfield and back, because I ended up managing in non-league as well for 10 years down in Bristol. So it didn't yeah, work. So a bit of a journey. So that was good. That yeah, really was brilliant. As well.
3: And I was just wondering as well. So you went from from Rovers to Liverpool, real a real change. I was wondering what the the biggest change that you saw was during that movie I you know, it was a huge surprise
2: I, I think that, like I said to people I think the biggest surprise was moving away from home and, and you know my son's gone to university in Southampton and all, all parents will relate to it when you you know, when you're in that situation and, you, and they flee the nest you don't really you don't really get, get it until you actually do it and it was literally up sticks packed me bags and off I went to Liverpool and lived in a hotel for five months so it was um, it was quite an upheaval and yeah, the shot was there, and, and I had my, my doubts about whether I made the right move. If you know, I, I highlight that in the book a few times that you're stuck in a hotel room looking at four walls, and uh, you're thinking, what am I doing here? I, I could be at Torquay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's one of them surreal moments, but I, I've always said, and I'll say it to this day, is that I, I, I get sick and a load of other players get sick. Social media's ruined it for everybody um, I, I, I watch games and, you know, I'm looking for scores and stuff, so it's great for that. I look on the official Rovers one or your Twitter account, but I see some of the fans' comments after two or three minutes of the game and you think, well, they can't be watching it, can they? They, <laughs> they just, <laughs> just go off tangent on different things and stuff. So it, it's one of them things where, God forbid, what would have happened back in our day if we had, you know, social media? <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what would have happened. And I think that's the only thing I would say is that, you know, I, I suffered a bit by living on my own, et cetera, and moving away from home. So it's that, it's that family thing I miss more than anything else. The football's okay because you, you're, you're used to it. I played over 100 games for Rovers. So I was used to the football side of it. It's just the getting used to the uh, off the field activities, which was more of a problem. Yeah, no,
3: exactly. Do you think it's maybe something that people... Don't really think about it in terms of footballers when they're making moves and big money transfers around. But they're actually moving home and changing their lives, picking their lives up, moving somewhere maybe across the country or even
2: between countries. Yeah, well, see, but the only difference is nowadays they've all got agents, and they and the agent would go and sort out stuff for you and stuff in them day. In back in our day, I mean, everybody says, "Oh, you're talking about the past," but it's true. You just got left to your own devices. I was dropped off at the hotel by. The scout, Ron Yates, who, who was watching Gary Penrose down here, and he picked me up from the station and um, said, Well, here's you know, you are know, when I first went up. There's where you'd be staying. Dropped me off there, picked me up for training. And I, like I said, when I went back home then, and then came back up in my car, I was left to my own devices. I drove up with, you know, like I said, the, the suitcase full of clothes, and you, and you were off and left to your own devices. And that's the true story. And, and that's what people don't get. Nowadays, they have. People at clubs where they take them out to see houses and different things and stuff like that. So it, it, it's a little bit different. I think. take you back to sort of you know when you were with Rovers back in the eighties and that. What, what was it like being part of that dressing room? Was it good fun? Yeah, we had a good laugh. That's what I said. Is I, I it, it brought me back, going back down to the training ground, brought back memories of you know, like Ray Kendall and, and Roy Dolan, the kit manager, and the <laughs> they could have made their own show. I said that yesterday. It is, uh, you know it takes you back and you think of all the happy times you had. You know, we used to come into train. I can honestly say, and I said it yesterday. I can't remember once when we came to training, and, I'm, and Ray Kendall, the old kit manager, was grumpy. He was always happy, so you would always, you know, raise your spirits or whatever. Perhaps behind closed doors he was, but and and it just used to be a pleasure to go into work. You know what I mean? And you're getting paid to do it as well. And some of the lads who didn't like training, I I, used to, I couldn't get my head around that because I worked in a factory for three and a half years, getting up at you know six o'clock and in work for our past seven, clocking on and clocking off and stuff like that. So I I appreciated it, but. Anybody who didn't enjoy it, they, they wasted all their, their time. I used to have such a laugh, and, and that's the thing you miss the most. I think everybody says it, but it's true. So, yeah, I, that's what I was, I was going to touch on. Is, is that the main thing, that you still miss all that banter in the changing room? Yeah,
3: that's what I said. That, but
2: you even But I mean, I even think, I, I did scouting and stuff like that. I even think I could still do the job. You know, you still think, oh, I could go out there and play. You know you can, but you think, I wouldn't do that, or I would do other things, because I've managed, so... And then I think back to the banter in the changing rooms, would you have done anything different? And you think, well, no, not really. And I try to take that forward into my management as well and let the lads go out and have a beer if they wanted, as long as they were, you know, sensible. Half the time they weren't, but <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of up to them. But we had a we had a great you know, great team spirit and I'm looking forward to next week at the book signing that, um, down at the Mem. Um, so we get a few of the lads down there who are in the book and we can you know, do a few signatures, Gary Penrice and Phil Pernell. And... The legend is Andy Reese that came to Liverpool with me when I signed. On the day I signed, he tried to get Kenny to sign him as well. <laughs> 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 Kenny's comment was, are you better than Steve McMahon, Ronnie Whelan or Jan And he said, not <laughs> at the moment. That's that.
3: Oh, brilliant. And that, that's before the MK Dons game, isn't it, that one? The signing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I... I, I the format, I'm sure we're going to get down about 12, but I told Gary and that to get down. I'm hoping that there's going to be three or four of us sat on the table or signing, but it's not just about, like I said, it's about the lads that are there as well and the camaraderie we had. And meeting up with these guys again is fantastic. And, and Tony Mills and the Vaughan Jones and the former Players associations now been formed and we have, we have the golf day and the dinner and, you know, it's great stuff. And if, if you ever come along and, you know, do something with with that, it's, it, you'll see that camaraderie is still, it's like you've never been away. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. There is still a beer involved, mind, mine, so that's probably why. So <laughs> and nice to keep in touch though. Yeah, and, and, and again, it's a long time coming. This you know, i well left Bristol Ray was what, nineteen eighty nine, which is nearly thirty years ago. And you still so I still see Vaughan Jones, still like we were there and having a beer and stuff like that, and it's exactly the same, you know. Weston came to the uh, Graham Sooner's show and he was still as funny as he was thirty years ago, so that's what. Yeah. That's what you. But it's nice that you all keep in touch. Now we all get back in touch. Writing the book has made me get back in touch with people that I haven't seen for ages. They all got married, and I got married and went off, and different things like that. But we're still the same blokes. Still little kids, aren't we? <laughs> 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 Dang. Uh, so
3: obviously that event next month with John Barnes is going to be a really good evening, and that one's in aid of the Offside Trust. Nick, so I was wondering if you could just let us know a little bit more about their work.
2: Yeah, well, I got involved with the master, one of my ex-players um, at Mangersfield, Dean Radford, came forward with uh, Chris Ensworth and Steve Walters, who set up the Offside Trust. They came forward as well, and were brave enough to tell their stories um, about child abuse and how they were abused as children at, at football clubs, etc. They came forward. They set up the Offside Trust, which helps you know everybody. If anybody's got a problem, they can go and talk to them confidentially. Got, um, the lads will be there on the night, and they can—you know—anybody can get in contact with them if you have a look on my Twitter account, etc. But I think it's a worthwhile cause for all of us that have got children, or have had children, or are thinking of having children, because whether people like it or not, this day and age there are some sad people out there that, that you know think they can get away with murder. And, and you know, one of the things I would say is going back to my days—if you read the first chapter—I at Bromley East United and we had a, a guy who, who was a convicted paedophile later on called Dave Lawrence, who was our manager. And we always used to think, but, you know, in them days you were a young kid. You, you didn't really say a lot about it, but it's all come out in the in the papers, et cetera, now, and he was actually convicted, so I got the problems naming him. And, you know, like I said, when I found out about Dean, I, I was so so upset. I said to him, I, you know, I managed you for, for a year or so, and I didn't know anything about it. So it's a sad state of affairs that, you know, People have to come forward and do this, but let's, let's all get behind the Offside Trust. Come along to the John Barnes show, meet the guys, have a good night as well, and, and let's get it out there and make sure that everybody, you know, tries to stop child abuse because that's, you know, it's one of the worst things in the world, in my opinion. So, you know, come along and support us if you can.
1: That was Nick Tanner talking to Jack Vittles, the Post Rovers reporter. He'll be back next time. A big thanks to John for joining me on this episode, and we'll be back in a fortnight's time when hopefully Rovers will have ended this bad patch of form. Thanks for listening.
0: Gassing out loud